Professor Dumbledore has granted me permission to start this little dueling club. And with that, welcome to the dueling club, learning one spell at a time. Hello. Welcome to the dueling club. I'm Al. And I'm Jen. Yeah. Yeah. So for all of you, it'll this will go seamlessly with the last episodes we recorded because I never posted them. Because that just didn't happen that last week. Because my brain has not been here. But this will just go seamlessly into those. Um, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life is hard. True. Do you want to get into why or what? Um, the My fiance's mother passed away unexpectedly. And it has been... You know, when they talk about the grief process, it sure as heck is a process. And it gets you on when you don't expect it. And then any other loss that you haven't fully processed likes to come back up at the same time. Oh, yeah, of course. So there have been moments of missing, missing people who are gone. Not just the one who just left, but previous ones. Yeah. So, that's been hard. Well, I typically don't call people anyway, mm-hmm. but I specifically chose not to call you or bother you. I would say the first week is in two weeks. Yeah, the first week we weren't even home. Yeah, so I didn't even I didn't bother. I I think you sent me the flyer have... for the memorial, and I was like, I can't go to that. Not because I don't want to show respect or whatever, but it's like I didn't have a relationship with her, unfortunately. Yeah. So I want that mo- that time specifically for to, to be for people who knew her and to sort of memorialize her life in that afternoon, whatever it was, together. Yes. And it was nice. The fiance's friends, all of his childhood friends showed up. Yeah, of course. And uh, that night we went out to dinner with them, and it was nice to see him laugh. You're allowed to cry. You don't have to pause. It's okay. I can talk. I can do this. Okay. So, aside from the sad stuff, while you recoup, um, and you've mentioned it on the page, is the game, Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, I'm so mad about that. Oh, dude, say... Why do you think I... Look look over there. Look at all the computer stuff. They build a super cool new computer. Yeah. For what? Yeah, I'm so mad about that. I'm so And the funny thing is that a couple weeks ago when we recorded, you said something along the lines of it being postponed. And I said, no, it's supposed to come out holiday season this year. It's supposed to come out in December. We've waited long enough. It better not be delayed. And here we go. Well, I just... You're I just a witch. A, I just had a... I mean, wizard. I'll take them both ways. Yo. <laughs> but I... The thing is, is that like... So let's say someone goes, I'm going to paint you the most beautiful painting you've ever seen in your entire life. Mm-hmm. Right? And you know that typically a painting of such caliber would take, let's say, a year. Yeah. Yeah? And they go, I'll give it to you in six months. You're hopeful, but then you go, I don't quite believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
So that 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 was my stance. It's like they they're promising so much. They're offering a story that is not necessarily procedurally generated, but more of pick your adventure. Yeah, so you, have, you can you make choices, and that steers your direction of where your story is going to go. But then also offering a story that is all encompassing. So mm-hmm. no matter what direction you take, you're gonna you're gonna have sort of your ending, right? And then also an open world. That is affected by what you do, as well as the, the the world of the school changing around you as well. What friends you make, what spells you learn, what classes yeah. you take. Like, they're promising so much that, like, it, it sounds nearly impossible. I mean, now with Unreal Engine 5, I'm not sure if you know about, like, the difference between Unreal Engine 4 and 5. Unreal Engine 4 was, like, the gold standard for, like, quite a long time in the gaming industry. But the issue with that is if someone works on a game, they are coding something for the game, whether it's a system or trying to put things together, one person can work on the game at a time and that's it. Yeah. Unreal Engine 5 is letting you uh, compartmentalize certain development segments so multiple people can work at the same time. Okay. So now with Unreal Engine 5... You can have multiple go in and update the game and put in something they've been working on, like a system, like currency system or whatever. They can put it in while someone else is doing something else. Okay. So Unreal Engine 5 is like the new standard. It's it's being used by a bunch of different games. So that's going to be good. But like, I don't know. It, it just never felt like they gave it enough time. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you and I have said, I would rather it be done well than to flop because it wasn't properly executed. Mm-hmm. But if you sit, if you have a deadline, you kind of have to stick as close to your deadline as possible. It's already been pushed out a few times. And that's the thing that is kind of dangerous, though, for ga- uh, the gaming industry is um, deadlines are never set by developers. Ever. No person who's making game goes, I'll get it out to you then. They have no idea. Because there's multiple steps of, like, sort of quality uh, quality assurancing it. Like, quality testing it. Having a team play the game from start to finish. Making notes of what can be fixed. Having those fixes be put in. Those fixes not affecting other parts of the game. And they do that multiple rounds. Multiple rounds, multiple rounds, multiple rounds. And then that's when you start adding flourishes when everything is good to go. But no game actually ever gets to that step anymore. Yeah. That is how games used to be 10 plus years ago. Games now are forced to be released by publishers because they have a contract with developers. Like, you have three years. I need the game to come out in three years on this date. That is your deadline. And then they have checks quarterly, like how the, how the progress is going. And then when they're like six months out, they're like... Game is good, right? And developers are like, not really. They're like, but it's good, right? Because they want their money back. And I, I understand that. In terms that. of investment. I, I completely contract. understand that. But don't do it to the detriment of, of everything else. You know, like, there has to be a happy medium. Publishers, that's the issues that publishers do not care. They just care about the sales. So they don't want the hype for the game to die out completely because then who's going to buy the game? Oh, they don't know about the Harry Potter fandom, do they? 
Like, we'll wait forever for something. Always. Guess what? Guess what? Mm. If it doesn't come out in February, we're going to be having another conversation. We're going to be like, Jen, you just have to wait. I did my waiting. 12 years of it in Azkaban. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I'm foreseeing it now. You progressively got louder. I know. Okay. Nice. I did it on purpose. Yeah. For effect. So, um, what else? Um, we're, we're getting closer and closer to actually having a house. Yes, you are. You are what? A month. Three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the middle of September when you were coming. That's what we were supposed to do. Okay. But then the seller came back with, oh, no, that's too late. I don't Can it be September 6th? And we're like, yeah, sure, that's fine. We only did it mid-September because you asked for mid-September. Okay, well, hey. Um, so three weeks. Our, our inspection came back good. A couple of little things. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It came back great. Because most of the time when you get an inspection, there's like major issues that then you need to negotiate and get fixed and what have you. It was just very minor stuff. And our appraisal came back and the house was appraised at the price we're going to pay. Nice. So we don't have to negotiate on that either. Very cool. Which is, I'm going to tell you guys, if you're going to buy a house, make sure that you get a good real estate agent. Because our agent, we we had this conversation with her when we put in an offer where we said, so can you tell us what the comps are around the area? And she's like, oh my goodness, you guys are so knowledgeable. I was going to give you that information anyway. So we went over what the comps were in the area and and the house... Even if we paid list price, the house would have been good with the comps. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have all of that validated with a third party, an objective third party, and they're like, no, 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 this is good. It's just more of a reminder that you need to have a good real estate agent yeah. who's going to give you the information, who isn't going to try to pressure you into spending more money than you should who isn't going to show you things that are outside of your price range or show you things that after they get to know you a little bit that they know you won't like. So good real estate agents, find one. It's like finding a therapist. It's not always the easiest. Sometimes the first one is eh. And you're like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. But then you find a good one. And you keep going. Okay. I I just had... It's like dating. Is that a better? Just stop making comparisons. Okay. It's good. You need a good real estate agent. Yes. Period. Mmm. Dusty drink. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Um... we We were just talking and watching it, but Sandman on Netflix, please go... Please watch it. It... If you are, there's like blood and stuff. Oh, okay, yes. Please, please so give like, people warnings. Like cautionary stuff. Yes, there's like death and blood and whatnot. There's literally death. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, smart one. 
Uh, if you're like a religious person scared of hell, shy away. You actually see it. Um, <laughs> and also, the latter half of it is focused around a serial killer convention. So that's fun. Yeah, you'll get there. Don't worry about it. Um, I binged it because I love Sandman. If you recall, I, I do. bought um, a lot of the, the trade paperbacks. Yes, the trade paperbacks and the statue, which is right there. I know. Um, I love Sandman. Sandman is amazing, and I'm not going to lie. It's the best Netflix show, period. Um, people, I, I got yelled at. What about Stranger Things? Listen. Okay. I'm going to... Unpopular opinion. Yes. I watched the first episode of Stranger Things yep. and was not impressed. So. But that's just me. And it could be that it builds up afterwards. It does. But if the first episode doesn't impress me enough to watch the next one, I'm not going to watch the next one. Because I have so many things that I'm watching that if you don't perform well, then I'll just go on to the next thing I have to watch. So for me, it's that I finished season one and thought it was great. Mm-hmm. But then when season two came out, I was like, yeah. I'll, watch, I'll watch it some other time. And yeah. that, that immediately, like, instills a kind of, like, I don't really care about the series that much. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. From what I've seen of season four, which, I mean, like, I think it's season four until, like, the next cool thing happens that matters in the social media, I don't know, world with, like, Vecna and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that looks cool, and I'll watch it, but that means I have to get through season two and three. Yeah. And, that, and Whereas, that's... That's what happened with me with Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Like, the first season was super great. The second season was all okay. And then I just kind of fell off. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not a great show. Because I would still pick it up every once in a while. Like, not pick it up. I would still go to Netflix and watch it every once in a while. Just to keep going through. Because I like when I start something, I like to finish it. Mm-hmm. But... I couldn't bring myself to do that with this. You know what I did recently watch? Mm. I watched Obi-Wan. I watched The Mandalorian. And I watched a few. Oh, I watched Miss Marvel. I've watched all those on Disney+. Plus. Honestly, like the MCU and Marvel in general, they're doing the thing. So I had to watch them. Yeah, I feel like DC, by the way, is just like so dead I don't I'm know watching if I'm watching Titans on HBO Max it's, it's great yeah. but I have to watch it in bits and pieces because it's got it's it's heavy so the thing is that I love Titans but the thing is is that that will forever just be a TV show because they're never gonna make like uh, a DC thing that gritty I mean I'm talking about what Robin did in the first episode will never hit a movie screen. Oh no! Unless it's advertised as such, like John Wick or something, like you're gonna, you know, what's about to go down. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that so? Look at, look at the actors for the Justice League at the moment. So Flash, we have Ezra Miller, who's like prop super problematic. Please tell me if I'm mistaken here, but I swear I saw an article. That he had, like, kidnapped someone who was staying at, like, one of his places that he had put up on Airbnb or something. Or they had gone missing. I've read that as well. Oh. 
Okay, great. I also heard that Henry Cavill declined signing on again as Superman. I did not hear that, but I can believe it. Because apparently he's trying they're they're trying to recruit him for Marvel. I also heard that Marvel is trying to replace Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Well, Spoiler tag. I mean, he's dead. So it's going to be a different universe. So it makes sense to bring in a different actor to be him in a different universe. Yeah. Because then we're going to do that for um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Mm -hmm. And there was word around the rumor mill that it was going to be Brad Pitt as Ultimate Tony Stark. No. Yeah. Um, so they're, I think they're trying to do that. I think they want to bring back a Tony Stark for a short fashion before Ironheart comes out. Maybe to mentor her and then disappear. Maybe. Um, anyway, yes, go watch Sandman. That's it. We went on this tangent just to say, go watch Sandman. So here, here's the cool thing about it. Is that in the 10 episodes season 1, you get a full story. Episodes 1 through 5 are their own incredible story. And then 6 sort of expands upon the universe. Expands upon what and who he is and what his family is. And then episodes 7 through 10 are like a whole other story. A whole season finale. A whole like ridiculousness unto their own and so it's really really cool it's pleasant because you get this really big story and then you get this like smaller story that ends up being bigger than the original story yeah i mean i'm not saying don't watch it i want people to watch it because you know hopefully then it'll stay around forever Mm -hmm. but still all that to say go watch this yes did you know that the Lucifer in Sandman, by the way, yes, Lucifer Morning, so the devil is in it. Um, Lucifer in Sandman is the same Lucifer from the TV show Lucifer who has the club in LA. No way. Yep. No way. They're the same character. Because then you should have used that guy. Agreed, but I am not angry with who they picked to be Lucifer in Sandman. I'm not either, but if they're saying it's the same universe, they should have picked that guy. Well, it's not that they're saying. It's that it was written as such back in the late 80s. I, I and know. And they decided to go with who they went with in the yes. TV show, Lucifer, which is not an issue. He's fine. He's great. Oh, yeah. But I've watched like four now. seasons of that. Yeah. But it's very weird now that Sandman is a thing and that they're the same Lucifer, but they're very clearly different yeah. people portraying Lucifer. Yes. Very different people. Okay, so. Eddie Potter. Yes, so we finished the entire book. Yay, we finished the book. But you know what happens when we finish the book. Now we get to be annoyed and talk about the differences between the book and the movie. And, okay, we're not gatekeeping. 
if if your introduction into the Harry Potter world was via the books as opposed to the movies, cool. If your introduction was via the movies instead of the books, also cool. All are welcome. We think that it would be great if you read the books and watched the movies because it creates a, a bigger world. The movies provide a visual for what you're reading. And sometimes they line up and sometimes they don't. Yep. And there have been times where we like something that was in the movie better than what the way that it was in the book. Very rarely. But it does happen. Yep. So. Here we are with Order of the Phoenix. Number five. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're reading this from the uh, Harry Potter fandom. We're going to give our ideas on how we feel about it. Right. So you can follow along and go bulletin to bulletin and see where you stand in terms of our opinion as well, where we stand together. Um, yeah. We're going to skip the first one, which is Quidditch for now. Yeah. Because this is something that happens later. So we're in, uh, the film opens with Harry at the park. The book opens up earlier. Isn't he under... Isn't this the book where he's under the window? No. Are you sure? Unless it happened twice. It didn't happen twice, actually. Oh, we are so ill-prepared for this one. We Um, really are. Well, you've you've been doing your own thing. I've been doing my own thing. And we kind of came together. And I was like, hey, let's do this. Get it done. Kind of thing. (laughs) No, it is. One day he hides in the Dursley's flower bed, trying to overhear the Muggle news. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And isn't it with the with the the drought? Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it opens up back on Privet Drive, which then makes the sense because when he's in the park, it looks like they're in the middle of a drought. Yes. So visually, it goes along with what we've read, but it starts off differently. Yes. So, not a fan of that. I wish I wish we had seen him in the flower bed. Yes. I mean, it's kind of... Um, if you're talking about what can hit sort of the uh, editing room floor, and you can just get cut, it's kind of that. Yeah. Where being isn't necessary. It helps set the, the tone and the pace of the book. But for the movie itself to save, I would say, ten minutes roughly, of film, even yeah. just five minutes, it's going to just cut it out and start where the tension builds almost immediately with him at the park and Dudley sort of being the big extremely cru- cruel mm-hmm. to Harry. Oh, mm. he went too far. He went too far. He 100%. went way too far. Um, um, b- before any of this happens, what was the other thing that I was like, this is crazy? Mm. I'm trying to think. Anyway, continue. Okay. Um, so we skip ahead to when Harry gets to Grimald Place after, um, you know, the Dementor incident, after the letter from the Ministry expelling him, and then the letter from letters from Arthur and Sirius telling him to stay and to wait, and he gets rescued, basically. Yes. Um. Harry is in the film much calmer than um, how he's actually actually is in the book. Where he's in the book, he's yelling at Ron and Hermione at the fact that they're together 
in Grimald Place in the thick of things and he's locked away at the Dursleys. Yeah. Like, and that's why um, in the film it's really weird when Fred and George apparate and they're like, we could have heard your dulcet tones from upstairs. And it's like, here was really yelling. If anything, I would be more concerned him not yelling. Eh. It's just, the thing is, is that, again, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Same with the line from uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, the film, where Harry very cruelly faces the Dementor. Because I mentioned it back when we did oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. And then uh, Lupin is just like, you, uh, you're going to ask me why I didn't let you face a Dementor, right, Harry? And it's like, no, but he did face it. <laughs> it, yeah. it, beca- it or the, the bogger. It became a Dementor. And he goes on, well, I, you know, didn't want Lord Voldemort to come back to life right in the middle of my classroom. And it's just like, Harry faced it, though. These yeah. whole, like, three sentences that you've said? Why? Yeah. So, anyway, really, really weird part of the screenplay that still made it through somehow. I do like um, the way that they showed Mad-Eye Moody and Lupin and Tonks picking him up. Because... Continue. Because it was nice to see it um, after you read it. But Tonks looks different in the movie than what's portrayed in the book. So it's it's a little difference. I know like the hair and this and that, you know, you have to have an actress do whatever. But they could have done better with that. Nah, it's whatever. It's It's a detail that... If you're like a diehard Tonks fan, then you might care about, but it doesn't affect the story really. It doesn't really change the direction of the story. It's like a small little detail. Um, also, a, a, a theme for sort of the entire book is how angry Harry is all of the time. Yes. And we catch snippets of it in the movie, but I feel like it's really downplayed. Oh, yeah. Harry feels on edge the entire year. I think that's what I think that's the difference between the book and the movie. The book is like you can see he's on edge this entire time. The movie, he's that quiet on edge like anything anything could make him snap. Like that kind of quiet. Yeah. Whereas in the book, you actually see him visually like struggling with what he's going through. Yes. Um, so Luna Lovegood tells Harry about the Thestrals in the film, but in the book it's Hagrid. It's during a Care of Magical Creatures lesson, which is... Which was in a previous book. No, this one. No, oh, no, because he wasn't around no, then. No, when he some, when he pulled out the, the meat and they all... Ah, uh, yeah. Came, yeah, and he yeah. did the call. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, after I'm skipping around a little bit, I apologize yeah. for that one because we did we skipped the first Bolton, then went to the second one, and then did your bit about Tonks, and then did the third one, and then did the fifth one. Now we're gonna go back up to after Harry's hand is scarred from the Black Quill, Umbridge forces him to use during his attention with her. It is Ron who discovers the scars and is sympathetic and tries to convince Harry to complain to Dumbledore, and you know Harry's just like. You know, Dumbledore won't even talk to me. He won't care, kind of thing. Um, and McGonagall, but in the film, it's Hermione who urges Harry to tell someone. 
and then is also Hermione who tells McGonagall. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure she also told her in the book because it's kind of the vibe. Yeah, but bit. it's never explicitly it's not, it's not, said. It's not, but it's not a Ron thing. It's not a Ron characteristic to do that. No. Um, a lot of the rooms in the Department of Mysteries are absent from the film, which is true. We didn't get the the brain tank room, such as the room with the several doors in the brain room. Yep. Yes. So, I, I went down the list, and it's mm-hmm. not in order. At all. But we should probably still do it <sighs> in the order so people can, you know. Okay. So the big thing is, um, and I'm going down to the bottom. Umbridge is portrayed much softer in the film than in the book. So in general, she's just portrayed as this. And don't get me wrong. I'm going to preface this with saying that the actress who played Umbridge is a phenomenal actress because you have to be so phenomenal in order for so many people to hate you. Yes. I do think that this is correct though in the perception that she is not as evil as she is in the book as compared to how she is in the film. She Mm -hmm. is so evil in the book that they had to tone it down for a movie. Because then there wouldn't... It would feel weird to go from Umbridge being the main villain. I would say she's more of like the um, antagonistic entity, I suppose, in this um, in this book specifically. If she was still as evil as she was in the book and the film, like, why do we need Voldemort? Yeah, I think out of all of the characters, I think she's actually more disliked than Voldemort is. Yeah, of course. And that's the thing, like, that's even with people who have not read the books, they're all like, oh, Umbridge is worse than, than Voldemort. Yeah. True. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. And that's with her not being as bad in the movies. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go back up to the first bulletin point now, because now it's kind of relevant because we kind of skipped a little bit ahead. Yeah. Uh, Quidditch. Quidditch is not shown at all during the Order of the Phoenix. Um, the whole team changes because they don't have Oliver Wood anymore. Yeah. So Angelina Johnson becomes the uh, Gryffindor Quidditch captain. Ron becomes keeper. And um, Harry and George are... And Fred. Well, it's going to be brought up in a second. Yeah. Are um, banned from ever playing Quidditch again by Professor Umbridge because they attacked uh, Draco uh, after a match because they were provoked... Like, he insulted their mothers. And then Fred also, after they got banned, after, like, it's, it was, a, like, talked about in Umbridge's office, she was like, well, the twin also seemed violent, Fred. Yeah. So he's also banned as well, even though he did nothing. And then Ginny ends up becoming the seeker. Yes. So it's like, all of these things happen, which are, they're, they're tangentially important. But there has to be a reason why. We're never given a reason why in the movie Harry, Fred, and George aren't playing Quidditch. Yeah. We're, we're, they're banned. Okay, why? What happened? None your business. Keep it moving. Yeah, it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to skip back down beyond the, uh, the Department of Mystery rooms. In the film, during uh, Dumbledore's duel 
Uh, with Voldemort, Dumbledore doesn't transfigure the statues and Fox doesn't appear. It's true. There's also another thing that I noticed that someone brought up in an article I was reading. And it was in the book, Dumbledore holds the advantage over Voldemort. Yeah. He's not just on the defensive. He also is proactive in his attempt to subdue Voldemort. Whereas in the film, he's always in the defensive position because he's also trying to protect Harry. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's shown, is that that Dumbledore is on the back foot because he's trying to protect Harry. Whereas in the book, while he's also protecting Harry using the statue of uh, wizarding, whatever the heck it's called. Brethren. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, He's still fighting Voldemort while protecting Harry just fine. And Voldemort is throwing everything at him. And Dumbledore is like... Bro, come on. Not enough. Um, so next bulletin point. Snape's worst memory is much shorter in the film. Lily Potter's completely omitted from it, which is true. That's um, ridiculous. How can Lily Potter be omitted from his memory if she's the main thing in the memory? So I think that this was a huge error on the uh, editing table. Like when it comes to like, you know... Um, them taking it back and sort of starting to cut the film and edit it together and all that stuff. Like, I mentioned previously in earlier episodes, I was watching a group of of men uh, in their, you know, mid-40s or whatever sort of watch Harry Potter for the first time and give their thoughts on it. They were blown away when uh, Lily Potter is brought into the story in a more real way. I don't... Again, we're we're not going to avoid spoilers, but this one's kind of like a big one. Mm. Okay. No, you know, do the spoiler attack on this one. Okay. I'm I'm just going to go for it. So, they were absolutely, like, they they felt like, like out of left field that Snake was in love with Lily. Yeah. There were no clues to it in any of the movies. Well, and that's that's something that I don't understand why they went in that direction. There has to be a reason why he's willing to protect this kid who clearly he hates. So, this is something that also that I just realized and I never thought of until this moment is that, and it makes sense knowing what we know, yes. but Snape always insulted Harry because of his father and never his mother. Oh, yeah. Well, clearly, your father is a swine. Obviously, knowing what we know, mm-hmm. is obviously, why would he? Why would he make fun of the person that he loves? But if you go back without that knowledge and think about it, he could have attacked Harry on both fronts, yes. mother and father, but he only focused on the father. So that's like another kind of hint, in like a very subtle way. I think knowing what I know, so yeah. I could be completely wrong, but. <clears throat> well, and because we don't get Lily at all, we also don't get a lot of Sirius or a lot of Remus or any of that backstory that you kind of need to understand why was Harry so ashamed of his dad? Like, why did he feel like he needed to talk to Sirius and Remus about it? Um, why was he so upset? If he didn't believe it to be true, you know? That's what I wanted to mention you before we had our food. Because you paused, by the way. Yeah, because we had delicious <laughs> food. If you guys are near a moon so bowl, good. go ahead and get it. It has impossible meat 
in it, so it's not actually it's a, beef. It's just like but it's stuff. so good. It's like it, it really is good. Um, that's what I wanted to mention before before we pause. Yes, is that the the actor who played Lupin, David Thewlis, is in Sandman. He is the main bad guy, basically, of the first half of the season. Gotcha. I like that he's working. It makes me happy. He is incredible. Well, of course. Like, He was incredible as Remus. I mean, it makes sense. Well, my understanding is that though he's not in our media, Mm -hmm. because we're on this side of the pond, I guess we'll go with. I can't believe you just used that phrase. Oh, he is very popular, or he was at the race. I'm not sure what he. Oh yeah, very very in things in the UK. Well, and that's what happened with a lot of the <clears throat> the actors from the franchise. They went on to do like the more minor characters. They went on to do a lot of stuff, and Harry Potter was like a springboard for them. Yeah. You know, let's let's be real. How many more actors did we see from the Harry Potter series in? Doctor Who. True. You know, they they were in this movie franchise, which is all fine and dandy, but they also have to work outside of that. So guess what? Doctor Who snatched them up. Speaking of, I've been watching Doctor Who. I think I mentioned it on the podcast before. You uh, might have. With a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we are actually on season two, episode seven, The Satan Pit. Oh, okay. It's such nope. a good two nope. story. So let's go back. And how good are those two episodes? Oh they my are really good. goodness. Okay, sorry. So no, 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 it's fine. <clears throat> uh, a lot of Harry's visions, such as former Ministry of Magic employee turned Death Eater Augustus uh, Rookwood telling Voldemort how to access the Department of Mysteries are not featured in the film, which is true, which is why... None of that makes sense. Which is why... The rush for Harry to learn occlumency seems very much so out of left field. The only thing that we have is Harry's vision of Arthur Weasley being attacked during Christmas. We don't have the rest of the visions that the book give us where it's like Harry has been plagued by the vision slash nightmare slash dream of that corridor in the Department of Mysteries for months. We also don't get the... We don't get um, seeing Neville there with his grandma. That's going to be in a second. Towards the bottom. But there, oh. is, there is all the scenes that take place in St. Mungo's Hospital for magical maladies and injuries are cut out completely. Yeah, we need to see <coughs> Neville with his grandma. We need to see... Um, Apologies. The guy who's in the same ward who ends up getting killed by the devil snare. It ends up being okay for the movie. Yeah. Because it doesn't play into what really, what is the overarching, like, sort of story that's being told. And trying yeah, to but we don't get to find out that he worked in the Department of Mysteries and that that's why he's at St. Mungo's because something happened. And then he's in the same ward as Arthur Weasley and somebody brings in Devil Snare that kills him. Yeah, but even the. The one uh, Order of the Phoenix member who went missing mm-hmm. and then later arrested was not mentioned in the movie. Also not mentioned. Because the whole thing is is they want to keep the Department of Mysteries. Mysterious. 
<laughs> so it, it's more impactful on the reveal later in terms of the the Hall of Prophecies and stuff. But again, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff that happens in this series in general kind of comes out of nowhere because they have to cut out all of the slow like here's this little bit of information, here's this little bit of information to sort of come together so it all makes sense and then she go, Aha mm-hmm. that makes sense now. They kind of get rid of that in the movies entirely. Yeah. There is no you know what else they moment. you know what else they get rid of in the movies entirely? Quidditch. Uh, well, other than Quidditch, what? the fact that Harry had a date with Cho Chang. That's going to be in a second. Stop skipping ahead. I was skipping ahead to move to the next point. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there in a second. Uh, in the book, Harry is so upset by Sirius's death, which if you're, you know. No, let's, let's go there in a second. That, well, yeah, well, okay. He destroys Dumbledore's office. This doesn't happen in the film at all. Which is why I mentioned previously on another note that has nothing to do with the bulletin point that Harry is much angrier this book. He destroys Dumbledore's office. To the point where Dumbledore's like, yeah, go ahead. I I have too much stuff. Go for it. I have too many things. Destroy what you want. Because Harry... Is is doing the thing. Leaves him with very few things left untouched. Yes. Um, Hey, maybe he's of the Marie Kondo... A variety where it did not bring him joy. Say, Dumbledore, none of your things spark joy in me. They must go. <laughs> they must all go. Ah! Exactly. Yes. So, uh, in the book, Marietta Edgecombe sn- uh, snitches on Dumbledore's army. In the film, it's Cho Chang. Uh, okay. Severity serum. I think they should have done uh, Marietta Edgecombe instead of Cho Chang. I think- because I would love to see Sneak... On somebody's face and pimples. Yes, but it also sort of gives Harry that excuse to cold shoulder her for a short portion of the movie where he, you know, doesn't know that it's because of Eritaserum. He just remembers her being dragged in because she snitched and him, like, not giving her the, the, the time of day anymore. Um, it, it, it sort of killed off that love interest, that love plot. Entirely. Yeah, but I mean, that love plot killed itself off. In the book, it does because of the bad date and stuff, which you mentioned just now, but mm-hmm. it doesn't happen in the movie. It's Harry's interested in Cho. Cho is interested in him. They kiss, and then... Uh, Emotional range of a teaspoon. Yeah, yeah. And then what happens in the movie? Nothing. They're, yeah. Literally, Cho disappears until it's time for DA meetings, and then she snitches on them out of nowhere. So it's one of those things where... It makes sense, kind of, in the movie, that it has to be her and not Marietta. Yeah, but that's because they back themselves into a corner. Yeah, but it makes sense. Like Michael Corner, who uh, wasn't even mentioned. Anyway. He was mentioned, but he doesn't play a big thing. In the book, Dumbledore has a quick duel with Cornelius Fudge and some oars before he leaves the school. In the film, he doesn't duel. No, he just says, you know... I think you're laboring under the impression uh, that I will, what is the phrase? Come, Come quietly. quietly. And then get him and then <laughs> bye-bye. Oh, and... Apologies for the cop. Somebody says, who is it that says it in the book? Because in the That's movie, I know it's Shacklebolt. Yeah. In the movie, <clears throat> it's Shacklebolt who says it. But I think it might be Zalahoff? No. Who's there? No, no, no. It was somebody else. Yeah. 
Anyway, it wasn't Shacklebolt. Doll is a Death Eater, so definitely wasn't him. Oh no, Dollish. Dollish was there. Yes, that's who Dalish, it was. Dollish, correct. Sorry, it's those names kind of just sit in the same place uh-huh. in my brain. Harry's date with Cho Chang is omitted from the film. We've already mentioned. Yes. Harry's inter- interview with Rita Skeeter is omitted from the film. Well, first of all, Rita Skeeter is pretty much omitted from the film for the most part. Entirely. Yeah. It's like they don't talk about having written some of the articles in the Daily Prophet. I think. Yeah, but they don't talk about... No, because she's not allowed to write anything. That's not a thing in the movies. I know that's not a thing in the movies, but that's the problem. In the the book, she's not allowed to write anything because Hermione has made her promise that she can't write anything. Why? Because she's an unregistered animagus, animagus, animagus? Animagus. Okay. Whatever. We're coming out with a shirt that says 100%. We have to. Oh, yeah. Um... And, you know, doing things that she's not supposed to be doing on top of being unregistered. So Hermione trapped her in, in, in a in a bottle, in a jar, and had her there for a few months until they left. Like, none of that. None of that is mentioned. Not even a little bit. She had her for a few days captured. Mm. For a few days. Uh, I'm I'm gonna air more towards a couple of weeks. She captures her the the night that oh uh, you're Harry right comes you're right out of the maze and he's up in the hospital wing after Barty Crouch is captured and yeah but they don't leave for like a week a couple of days a week okay I like that anyway and Hermione's the one who has the idea to have Rita come to the the. Three broomsticks to interview Harry to, so that Harry can tell his to have, story. To have his interview published in the Quibbler, which is Luna Lovegood's dad's paper. magazine. Yes, that. Yes. Um, the film doesn't mention Ron and Hermione becoming prefix, which, to be fair, in the movie isn't necessary. In the book is necessary because it creates that divide between Harry and Dumbledore, which is focused on a lot in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much in the movie, though there are a couple of scenes yes. that sort of illustrate the fact that Harry feels very alone. And he feels Dumbledore like Harry, won't. he feels like Dumbledore just left him. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it matters a lot in the book, less so in the film, but it's kind of not in the film at all. So after Harry sees Snape's worst memory, he uses Umbridge's office to talk to Sirius and Lupin about his disapproval of James's behavior, but the scene is omitted from the film. Yes. So I get it. I guess I get that they probably didn't want to show him breaking as many rules as he did. And they want to show Harry as being like, oh, no, all this is happening to him and he doesn't know what to do. So, of course, he runs off and does crazy things. But how cool is it that he was able to have Ginny help him to be able to talk to his godfather to get some closure on some craziness that he saw again this entire the movies take away the greatness of Ginevra Weasley and of Neville Longbottom I'm over it I want them to I want them to redo this only so that Ginny and Neville can be as awesome as they're supposed to be Mm-hmm. So, the thing that is the biggest in terms of the entire franchise, um, the biggest thing that is lacking from the movie franchise from the books is that 
because there is no internal monologue that Harry has in the movies, we don't see that Harry's sort of way to measure if he's a good person or not is measuring against who he thinks his father is. Mm-hmm. So when he's shown that his father isn't as good as he previously thought he was, because so many people talk of James Potter, oh, I knew your parents, they were great, they were fantastic, they're amazing. And then when he sees in an inarguable way, that is not fact, that his father was actually a cruel teenager and bullied someone, like that, it creates conflicting images. It it. it it makes him challenge who he thinks his father actually is and how good he himself as a person is because he measures his actions against his father's. Here's the thing, though. Against his father. I would I would go as far as to say that Harry needs to understand, and let, much like Sirius and Remus told him, that his father was 15 once. Mm-hmm. And as a... Uh, I'm sorry if any of you are 15 and believe that you know everything. You know, I'm sure that you're very intelligent 15-year-olds. Good job. Way to go. At 15, you don't know anything. At 15, your personality isn't 100% set. At 15, you haven't had all of the life experiences you're going to have to be a functioning adult in society. Well, that's why so Harry you count- make... That's why Harry counters with... But I'm 15. And the thing that Harry doesn't understand is, is that... His he, 15 is so much different than his dad's 15. He, he is a challenged 15. He has had to fight against his his aunt and uncle and cousin. He has had to fight against people who just downright are cruel to him. Like Draco Malfoy. Like the Slytherins as a whole, sort of. Um, he's had to... Live up to really odd expectations. He's had to deal with From when he was 11. He had to deal with things that James never had to deal with that didn't help him mature. Yeah. James was an immature brat of a 15-year-old. Because he was... Harry is a commendable 15-year-old. Yes. And that is something that... (sighs) Harry doesn't realize that him and his father have different had different upbringings, had different access to things, had different had different social circles. He doesn't realize that. So when he puts himself up against his dad, when he compares himself to his dad, it's completely unfair to both of them. And that's why I hopefully if you guys have listened for a long time and have actually gotten to watch uh Severus Snape and the Marauders, the fan-made film by Broadstrokes on YouTube, um when Snape confronts James, he's like, you have no idea what it is like to be me. You have no idea what it is like to lose something. And that's true. You have to think about how privileged James was. He was a pure blood mm-hmm. who knew exactly what he From wanted to do. From a rich family. From a rich family. Who knew exactly what he wanted to do with his life. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to Hogwarts. He wanted to be a Gryffindor. He wanted to be on the Quidditch team. And he wanted to be popular. Yeah. And he checked checkmark all of those things like but harry's harry's life is so much more complex so much more complicated so much harder and i don't i don't want to like say like oh james had it easy the entire time surely he's had difficulties um, but not to the level that his son did exactly 
So I feel like the the whole even with with someone who I just don't, I don't know how to say this. I feel like he shouldn't have been comparing himself to his dad anyway. But how could he not when everybody compared him to his dad? Exactly. You look exactly like your dad. Hopefully you're as good as him. Is basically like the subtext that he has in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's continue. Ah, so there is... Only one howler sent to the Dursleys in the film. In the book, there are several. Oh, goodness. There's a howler that you use magic in front of a muggle. You're expelled. We're going to come get your wand. Then there's another one that says, um, nope, don't go anywhere. It's fine. Or no, 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 no. it was don't it was go anywhere. Min- it was the one from the ministry and then the one from Dumbledore to Petunia. Those are the two yes. howlers that we get at the Dursleys. Yes, but then we get other other just owls. Just letters, They're just letters. Yes. Which, um, again, were not in the film, though. Yes. Harry got... Well, he only got one letter... From Sirius. From Sirius telling him to stay in the in the film. Whereas in the book, it's Where he says, Arthur Dumbledore says well. to stay put. Yeah, yeah. And then he got one from Arthur, though, as well, in the book. I'm pretty sure he got one from Arthur, one from Sirius, and then Petunia got her howler. Yes. Um, so yeah. Remember just, the last. Remember my last. Yes, 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 yes. Um. I tried but, to, I forgot that this is your laptop and not my laptop, and I tried to touch screen, touch screen it, and it did not work. That is such a useless technology. Um. I like it, so whatever. Yeah, horrendous. Awful. Um, whatever. <laughs> um. Uh, spew. Again, Spew is not in the uh, movies at all. It's not Spew. It's S-P-E-W. Spew. So, Hermione's obsession with Spew and trying to set households free, even if they enjoyed working, is omitted from the film. Yeah, so we don't get to see, you know, any any of that. We don't see them go into... Oh, no, that was before. That was the last book. Um. So, Take because Quidditch wasn't mentioned in the movie, um, how... Uh, the whole cool thing of, like, the chains dangling from the twins' room. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's not, I don't even think it's even in it's not. the film. Yeah. Uh, it is in, obviously, the book. And so that, that's the difference there. Yeah. Um, all this is the place in St. Mungo's, of course. We mentioned that one already. Can I just say the one that, that bothers me? What? That is in here? What? I... I am so annoyed that the only owl we get to see take place is the one where Harry produces his his Patronus. That's the only no. one. We- the one we got was History Magic. Oh, yeah. Sorry. In my head. Was that was a movie. sitting at the desk yeah. and they went out. That, I am so mad about that because we don't get to see the astronomy oh, no, one. No, 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 no. We it don't was, get to see. It was the written. It was the written. Wait, no. Was it the written? It was the written. Defense Against the Dark Arts. Because Umbridge was in there, remember? She was at the end of the hall. But Umbridge was looking over everything. She she was in the book, but we're not told that in the film. So I think in the film we're supposed to assume they're doing the written Defense Against the Dark Arts. Because that's what she wanted them to do anyway. It was not practical. Yeah. So we don't get to see anything except for that one owl taking place. We miss the scene, which I think is super important. Because it shows how much of a... Of a monster McGonagall is. 
You know what? Typically, we don't include curse words. Which is why I changed it to I'm, monster. I'm going to say it. Don't do it. I'm going to say it. Don't do don't it. Don't me out. She's don't say I'm gonna, I'm sa- I said it. You said it? And I we to- I kind of talked over you a little bit, so it was why. I had to say it. It's I know. A fact. Which sorry. is why I said monster. She's because not my she's, favorite character, but she's mine. She is. I know. I know. I know. But this woman, this wom- this witch in her 70s took four stunners to the chest. She and said, and just shook it off like a champ. I mean, yeah, she ended up having to go to St. Mungo's because they were worried. But they were worried needlessly. Because McGonagall took it like a champ. Sorry. I get I get very worked up <laughs> no, about I McGonagall. I get it. Yeah. Um, so Umbridge is portrayed as much softer. True. The, informa- the information that Umbridge was the one who sent the Dementors... That attacked Harry and Dudley is omitted from the film. I need that in there immediately. She admitted in the forest. No, it wasn't the forest. It wasn't the forest. No, it wasn't. No, it was in in her office. In the office, surrounded by the students, not just Harry's friends. We're about the Inquisitorial Squad. That as a junior undersecretary working for the Ministry of Magic, that she sent deadly creatures to after a 15 year old dude the fact that that's not in the film that's just like a, a hanging yeah. oh it was just Voldemort no it wasn't no it was Dumbridge try again yeah I read the books all of them yes also on our break while we were eating I had Jen watch episode 6 of Sandman because, like I said before, episodes one through five are part one of the season, and seven through ten are the second part, and six is a standalone, like, cool little story thing. What did you think of it? I liked it. But we'll talk about that in the next episode. Meh. Meh, T2. So, I mean, again, this is where everything gets darker and a little bit more difficult there's there's some things that they do really well there's some things that hello mcgonagall being a monster and like super savage should have been shown on there them having the issue with hagrid should have been shown on there we don't see that the careers advice is that in the movie (gasps) um part of it part of it I remember the yelling at um. Uh, Did you yell at Dumbridge, you Perry? Yes. Have have a snack. Have a cracker. Have a have a biscuit. Have a biscuit. Nope. Biscuits are delicious. You made a bunch of different baked goods. <laughs> cracker, cookie. Ah, ah, I eventually got there. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we've condensed it into one episode, but. I mean, we can talk about, like, their clothing was different than this. Oh, scene. yeah. Well, so we're not going to go that far. We could. Not today. Not, not today. Um, Never. What? We have. Anyway. We have in other episodes, in other mo- books, Maybe movies. in your brain. Damn. Hmm? Nothing good to do. Anyway. So that's about it. I mean, are there any things that... Oh. Eh? Percy. We don't talk about him. 
This is not Enchanted or Encanto. We don't talk about him. We, we don't talk about Percy. No, no, no. We don't talk about him. So, th- we do find out that he's... I will I will talk about him. We do find out in both the book and the movie that he's a he um turned his back on his family. We do find out that he's a douche. He's a jerk. Um and we do see him a lot in the book but not as much in the movie. We see a lot of Lucius in the movie. More than he is in the book. So, there, there's there's that. And that's it. Nah. 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 That's all we got, everyone. I hate Percy. You, I know you do. I know. He's not great right now. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. If I went up to either of our parents... I would... And, and said, you. You're both. You're a disappointment to me. I would end your life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know what? I would deserve it. So I don't like Percy. I I can never forgive Percy. I don't care that he ends uh, up coming. Around. Hold on. I do not condone violence. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm not. I'm not um, condoning any kind of of physical violence against my brother i'm not into fratricide we're not doing that i'm just saying i get very protective about my parents especially now after everything that's happened recently go ahead no just i hate him i can't forgive him i understand let's can't do it and on that note we are now officially done If you want to tell us what your big glaring thing was, difference between the movie and the book, please let us know. Comment. We'll we'll respond. Big thing. Yes. Mentioned briefly in the movie, I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe not at all, actually. Neville could have been the, the chosen one. No, they don't say it at all. The, the, the issue. So they don't mention this at all. This is a problem with having read it so much and watched it so much that it blends. They don't mention it at all. Okay, we're going to be done now. Okay, bye. Bye.